hit me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Succotash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark Hershon. Yes, this is Mark Hershon, and this is Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast epi 28 and uh, we're back it's been man so hard to get consistent you know it's been almost uh, two weeks i think since our last uh, episode went up and my apologies uh just been busy and uh, in the middle of a bunch of uh, real world stuff that keeps me from getting in front of the microphone uh, also collecting all these clips takes some time sometimes although uh, you guys have been better you podcasters about sending some clips in we've got some of those for you today we got a whole bunch of stuff and uh, we have an interview with comedian david lee who is uh, originally from hawaii then from colorado springs he's back in hawaii for a little bit and then he's off to las vegas we'll be hearing from him and uh, gosh, before we get into things, I do want to uh, thank those of you who've gone up to iTunes and have rated us. Uh, if you give us uh, a lot of stars, that's good. If you take a little bit of time and write a review about how the show is, that's even better. And we have been uh, recently uh, up in the new and noteworthy on iTunes uh, pretty frequently. So thank you so much for that. And uh, we appreciate your support. You can read my uh, my dribblings as well as listening to them. I am a reviewer over on Splitsider.com as part of the crew for This Week in Comedy Podcasts. And this week I'll be reviewing episode 26 of Probably Science with guest comedian Bill Dwyer. And hey, in fact, I'm playing a clip from that same show right now. I got a story about when... When we when I sold shoes, I accidentally cracked somebody in the face with a pipe one time. Uh, sell, me trying to sell shoes. Yeah, we didn't, they didn't allow us to carry pipes around a Nordstrom when I was selling well, shoes. What happened was this person came in and they were like, "Oh, how, uh, can I see that basketball?" And it was way up high because it was a sporting goods store. Yeah, and okay. We were uh, building a new stand, so there was like all these pipes around that we were oh, building. Right. So I was like, "Okay." Instead of getting the ladder, I grabbed one of the pipes. Right. And like uh, nudged the basketball off it was probably 10 feet off the ground nudge it off and then when i went to catch the basketball as it was falling i let the pipe like drop <laughs> out of my hands like i just kind of like if you're holding a, a like a long you know shaft or whatever and then you just What's let this? it fall this to the is ground. like a, a rube goldberg sort of a machine bottom line i ha i was holding then, a pipe in the air and then let it come to the ground onto somebody's nose and like cracked their nose and then they that were was just a heavy pipe huh? dude heavy they're bleeding i think their nose was broken and they were like I'm, and then his friend's like you should sue this kid and i'm like 16 i'm like don't sue me please so i just go you can have that basketball and this football and i gave them two things and they, oh really <laughs> they left yeah so they come up with like so i went to the i went to the store all and a, one of the employees broke my face with a pipe, but yeah. I got two balls. I think I don't think I broke Tell the nose. Tell the wavy hair. You want the basketball up high? Yeah, you might get lucky, and he'll crash your face. No, no, grab that pipe. Don't use the ladder. Yeah, I ah, you poor fool. But anyway, the they can't. You can't sue a kid under. Uh, I don't. I don't know what you can do to a kid under eighteen years of age. Well, you can get things. me fired. I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe, but you can. If you want to order, you know, uh, thirteen CDs and not pay for them, you know, as yeah, a kid. If yeah. you want to under eighteen, you'll get away with that. Your credit will be screwed for a while. 
but they can't do anything. If you to use you. your real name, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, my, if you're under eighteen, you can get away with that sort of stuff. But if you're, if you're going to do the Columbia House scam, you shouldn't use your real name. You should just do what my friends and I did in college, which is create new accounts for every character from The Simpsons. Really? And then we had a, a wall. We'd post up all the collection notices for all the different characters. So really? Yeah, so eventually, you get to the point like one of them has like five or six letters, and it's winning. But and that one's like sent, that one's sent. that one's Clancy Wiggum. <laughs> you get letters from Columbia House saying, "Dear Mr. Wiggum." <laughs> You don't get something for nothing. That's not the way it works, and you know it. <laughs> this is how the letters would start. But they sent you the CDs, right? Yeah, the CDs were ours. But yeah. So they came to your. I mean, I mean, it was, it was a house could... where a bunch of us lived. So there was no culpability. There was no individual person. I broke the. We broke the laws. I don't say, but it was funny because right, right, right. Funny but they letters. sent things to this to yeah. somebody who didn't live there, right? So which means you could take. Wow. I mean, Reverend Lovejoy might have lived there at some point. I don't know when <laughs> did he moved you, there. Or did you do Reverend we Lovejoy? Had, we, we had Wiggum. We had Lovejoy. <laughs> I think we had uh, Santos L. Halper. That is a great. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great story. That is probably science with Matt Kirschen, Brooks Whelan, Andy Wood, and their guest Bill Dwyer. Uh, guys have just so much fun kicking around all sorts of stories with com- comedian Bill Dwyer on that one. Remember Bill? Uh, he uh, was the host of TV's BattleBots. Yeah, I actually used to work with Bill uh, way back uh, when in. Uh, the very early 90s when I was hosting or running the um, Bargain Basement Players, which was the house improv group at the Santa Monica Improv, which is no longer around. And Bill was actually the house manager at the time. Uh, so uh, we've both gone our separate ways. He's done, I think, better than me. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, that's Probably Science. You can find them at probablyscience.com. They're also on iTunes. Uh want to uh, apologize for the sort of tinny quality of my... Uh, my part of the show this week. I'm actually recording these uh, while I'm listening to the show, the clips, um, in my car outside of my office. And by office, I don't mean Succotash headquarters. I mean the office I work at. Uh, So this is the only time I had I could squeeze this even in. So apologies for that. And, uh, of course, the show is always so much better when we're at Studio P with good old engineer producer Joe Bellino. But uh, we're don't have that today. I'm in my car by myself. I want to thank uh, those of you who have gotten up to the Succotashery and gotten yourself some uh, T-shirts or a coffee mug or a mouse pad. Do people still use mouse pads? I guess they do. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, part of the problem, I think uh, things are moving slowly out of the Succotash stores. I think some people think Succotash means something nasty, but it's just food, people. So go get yourself some. Uh, and uh, our web store is hosted at Cafe Press. You can get there by going to uh, SuccotashShow.com and clicking on the link in the right-hand column. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, by the way, uh, you can reach me at Mark, M-A-R-C, at SuccotashShow.com. And you, if you're on Twitter, you can always just put at SuccotashShow and a message, and I will see that. Uh, we also have a hotline, the Succotash hotline. Not a lot of people calling it, so there's plenty of room for you to leave your message, which we may play right here on the show. That's it. Area code 818-921-7212. Now, in addition to the clips we have in this episode, I mentioned uh, we have the interview coming up with comedian David Lee. And uh, we have our Burst of Durst. We have a, a new song off of YouTube, a, a new YouTube sensation. And we will have a classic Henderson's Pants commercial as well. But for right now, I want to play a clip from a couple of guys we've heard from before. These uh, guys are from England. And uh, this is uh, I Am 
idiot with Howard, Ben, and Keith. They continue to crank out the podcast and give us Yank's hope that not everyone in the UK is as sophisticated and cultured as we thought just because of that accent. So, uh, for some time, um, Alfred, your son, has been, who's aged... Five. Well, he's four. He's nearly five. Yeah, nearly five. Um, He's been pressurising me to have a regular slot on the show. Really, has he? And I said, um, your time will come, Hmm. son. It won't, though, will it? No, but um, he doesn't know that. (laughs) But he's been putting me under a lot of pressure. So I said, all right, son, I'll give you a go. I'll throw you in at the deep end. See how you get on. Okay, so... I hope you don't mind, but I've given him the opportunity. He started him off. Yeah. He's got a little um, item today called School News. Ah. And I just said we'd play it, see how it goes, see what the listeners think, take it from there. Yeah, okay, good idea. So here we go with School News. Andy found it, and Jill cleaned it up. <clears throat> so there you go. School news. Wow. Dramatic stuff going on uh, down there, mate. A hell of a yeah. development in the whole Ahmed yeah. situation. The claim, uh, the headline is... Did, is did, did Wendy cl- find it? Ahmed pooed in the sink. Wendy yeah. cleaned it up. Wendy uh, it up. found it. Jill. Jill cleaned, Jill it, cleaned up. it up. It's a two-person job. Yeah, I do have to say... Wendy, who found it? Is that another child or one of the... Uh... It's another kid, I think, yeah. yeah. I have to say, I've met Ahmed. It doesn't look like a poo-in-the-sink kind of a guy. Really? So I don't know whether this story yeah. is 100%... Yeah. True. But uh, well, he's, he's on the front line. I can't... Alfred has yeah, posed is, he? the question, hasn't he? <laughs> he Who has. has pooed in the, has. In the sink? Yeah, and yeah. he's saying... <laughs> no, yeah. It's Ahmed. He's Ahmed. not posed the question. He's I mean, just gone straight yeah. out there and accused Yeah, Ahmed. I mean, he's accused... Yeah, He's exactly. accused Ahmed I mean, of not in a question. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly I mean, that, what I said. Uh, to me, that's the problem with kind of British broadcasting today. It's all so kind of one-sided. I mean... Statement-based, did, Didn't hear about Ahmed at all. Didn't hear from him at all, Sensationalist. No, there was only one side, yeah. I mean, what's Ahmed's story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does Alfred have any kind of journalism qualifications or experience um he's read cbb's magazine oh well mm. there you go. Oh, that's, yeah, pretty yeah, that's pretty good that's pretty good i'd like to hear from ahmed we'll get him on next week's show i'd also like to hear from wendy oh, that's a promise why didn't wendy clean it up she found it what did she wendy. do she just I told think, jill did she i don't think wendy had the wherewithal to clean it up that's wendy or all cloth Wendy's pretty pathetic. In my mind, uh, Wendy's as guilty as Ahmed in the whole. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Poo Funny how uh, Wendy seems to know what's gone on. I think that's the indication. Wendy's probably told Alfred. So I, I found think, Ahmed's I poo. Wendy. Yeah. I think Wendy might but, be. But then I reckon Alfred's just taken a little step back. He's maybe got on a table. Mm. And he's just observed. It's very from, much from yes, afar. Yes, he's observed. Yes, it you know is what I mean, mate? Much, you know, it? yeah. it's mm. like the Kennedy yeah. assassination, isn't it? From very different angles, so. the magic very bullet, the magic so. poo in the sink. Mm. Very much so. You know, is very Wendy the grassy so. knoll? Magic poo in the sink sounds like a really good joke you could get from yeah, a joke magic, shop. Magic poo, or a, or a good band name. <laughs> yeah, magic, <laughs> magic poo in a sink. That's heavy pencils third album. Yeah, very difficult. Oh, I heard a good band name. Good band name the other day. Millennium Voice. 
Oh, that's bad. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That's is that, genuine. Is that actually a band? That's actual band name of uh, really? my friend in Spain. Wow. Hi, Nick. <laughs> Hi, Nick. <laughs> Millennium voice, really. Yeah. yeah. I did I tell him it was pretty bad, and uh, I don't Nick, think he's Nick, happy with Nick, it, but he's gone along Nick. with it. That's terrible. That's what happens to creativity in hot countries. Sorry, it goes. That is I Am Idiot. You can get more idiot at IamIdiotCentral.com, iTunes, they're on Stitcher, Smart Radio, and they're also on SoundCloud. So check out I Am Idiot. Next, we have uh, Adam Spiegelman and his show Proudly Resents, which bills itself as the cult movie podcast, although it tends to be pretty funny, thanks to the host himself, Adam Spiegelman, who's a producer, actor, writer, and his guests who are frequently comedians. In this case, guest Bobcat Goldthwait, comedian and director of several movies, got together in part one of a two-part interview to talk about Bob's debut film, Shakes the Clown. In this clip, he talks about how some famous people got in that movie and also how some other people got out of that movie. But a question you got to ask a lot is, how did you get Adam Sandler in the movie? Oh, but Sandler wasn't famous yet, you right. know? Uh, I mean, he might have been, like, on, on remote control and stuff like that. Really, how that happened? Um, Colin Quinn was supposed to play the part of uh, that... Um, uh, uh, shoot, Blake Clark ended up playing. Uh-huh. But... Um, and Colin was like, you know, I, I've talked to my friends and I'm not comfortable wearing a dress because <laughs> Blake Clark's character. I went and did research. There's clowns that would dress in drag. I mean, all the char- clowns are actually. But he has a beard. Is that clowns. true too? Like he has a dress and a beard. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, that was uh, that was a certain kind of clown that that was based actually on an actual photo of a real guy. You know, it wasn't right. like even something I I didn't say. I'm going to put Colin Quinn in drag. You know. And he was like, well, I talked to my friends, and they don't think they think <laughs> his friends didn't think he. And that was a deal breaker. Isn't that, is that really so funny? funny? I mean, Colin and I are in friendly terms, but that really, was a deal breaker. Really, because he's done so many great things in his career. He's made a lot of good decisions. What? He, he did? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. He's... I mean, you say it's funny. You just make mistakes a lot. Like, you think. Who, him or, or I? Or in general. People in general, uh, like you, I think, think you overthink things. I think I think he, he probably suffers from overthinking things. You know, I, I, I just... Uh, always did things that other people kind of told me to, you know, until much later in my life. But but Colin, um, you know, so he didn't want to be uh, uh, Stenchy the Clown because he didn't want to wear the dress. It really came down to that. You got to wear hilarious. the dress. That was the deal breaker. <laughs> so he had introduced me to to, to Sandler because he Sandler came in. He goes, there's this kid. He'd be great for the other guy. And um, Sandler... Uh, I didn't know Sandler at all. He came in for the audition. I walked down the hall with him and just talked to him. And and he was on his way to the audition for with s- the paper, with the sides. For your movie. Yeah. And we were talking. He knew who I was and stuff. Okay. But we were talking. And I said, oh, you don't have to audition. You've got the part. You know, just because I, when I met him, he just was so personable. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is perfect. This guy's great. And um, so, he, yeah, I think he may have auditioned still. But I told him he already got the part by the time the he was, walked he down the hall. two middle fingers. Screw you. I yeah, got the yeah. part. He cramped his hand and threw it. There was, this, there was this one kid that was auditioning for a rodeo clown in that movie, and he goes, I go, well, you know, and the guy's wrong. He's this cute young kid. And I go, you know, these characters are supposed to be imposing. Can you be imposing? And he takes my coffee mug off my table, and he smashes it. He goes, is that imposing? I go, no, it's just weird. That, that, that's my coffee mug from home. <laughs> and it really I was. No coffee. That, and I remember when Billy Barty came in and he was just yelling at me like, why do what? all the clowns have to? For those folks, he was a little person who don't know Billy Barty, but probably the most famous little yeah, person. Yeah. He was the biggest of the little people. The big- <laughs> <laughs> so, 
He said, why do all the clowns, why are they so mean? Why do they have to swear? He's like, you have a really good script here. But he's like yelling at me. And I'm like, why did he come in? You know, and he, he's To just, yell at you. Yeah. That's so weird. This script is great, except for the huge issue I have with the with plot. The, with the, no, he liked the plot. He didn't like the cursing. And the uh-huh. whole time I was just looking at his teeth because he had little tiny teeth. <laughs> I was obsessed with his teeth. And then I'm not proud of this. These are all no. later on because I hold a grudge. I had sent him a... Uh, uh, I got an invite to play in his pro-am golf tournament, uh-huh. <laughs> and I wrote back. I said, "Is this regular or miniature golf?" <laughs> I have a Bobcat Goldthwait story. Uh, he had left San Francisco, which is where he moved after Boston, and really got kind of uh, really into who Bobcat Goldthwait really was. And uh, he had come back up for. Uh, I don't know if it was press for shakes or something, but he was in San Francisco and uh, I was writing for Just for Laughs, a comedy newspaper, and was assigned to do a profile piece on him. So uh, I, I knew him from the comedy scene, so I went to his hotel and uh, we had a great interview and then he was uh, going to go get something to eat. So he walked me down to my car on the street where I discovered I had locked my keys in the car and he's such a nice guy. Uh, <laughs> he helped me find a locksmith. Uh, on Market Street. I think we were on Market Street, if I remember correctly. And uh, so we walked for a couple of blocks, and uh, he went in and convinced the guy to just sort of, uh, you know, close up his shop for a second and go down the street and help me get in my car. Uh, and even paid the guy. So uh, I uh, am ever in debt to Bobcat Goldthwait. If you'd like to hear more Proudly Resents, find him at ProudlyResents.com. And uh, Adam also has his show up on iTunes. The Rob and Joe show is uh, something we've heard from before. These guys, uh, they do their show live every Monday night uh, at robandjoeshow.com. They've got features and guests just like a real radio show. Here they're talking about a potential snack food, dolphin. There's one thing I do love about Chick-fil-A. I hate it when the spokesperson for a product is the product. So, in other words, you're, you, if you sell chicken and there's a chicken there, or if you sell crabs and a crab, it's like, hey, come and eat me. You know, I hate that. It always annoys me. You hate that? that? Well, way to take a stand. I, you know, I do marketing for a living, so it always annoys me. It doesn't uh, really make any way, sense. That's every product. But Chick-fil-A has a cow as their spokesperson. I think it's- yes, I understand that. Or cows. Right. And I know you've heard me say this before, but I always thought that it was annoying. They paint their signs, the cows to eat chicken so they <laughs> are cows and they can write but they don't spell well like the we're like oh well they can't spell that well they're cows give them a break really well they're using paintbrushes and they're writing at all so i mean if you're making me suspend belief enough to think that they can paint a sign you might as well spell the word correctly cows that are doesn't stupid. bother me they put the K backwards. They're idiots. <laughs> they can't even spell more. They write M-O-R. It's so dumb. Well, why doesn't it bother you that if you're a cow, you can paint? Why don't you just defend yourself when you're getting slaughtered? <laughs> yeah, that's Why don't you thing. send out an email to the other cows? Look out Who's for this Who's going to kill a cow that can read and write? Nobody. <laughs> They're not going to do that. That's the whole premise of Charlotte's Web. What if all of a sudden every cow could communicate with people? Would, <laughs> would you not eat another steak? No, I wouldn't, because I don't want to hear some lip from a cow yelling at me. Honestly, you'd have to stop eating if they could say, hey, please stop killing us. You couldn't eat more steak. No hamburger, no Slim Jims. I don't know what's in a Slim Jim. I assume beef. (laughs) So anything that can speak, what if it has an awful voice? (laughs) 
Well, you know that dolphins have a language, but we don't eat those. Well, and that bothers me, okay, because dolphins look very delicious to me. <laughs> I mean, don't they? You look at it. We eat tuna all the time. Tuna, I guess they don't jump in the air and flip it. There's no tuna at SeaWorld. It doesn't have the personality dolphin. And they do say that dolphins can communicate with us. Well, but we don't eat any sea mammals, do we? You don't eat walrus. You don't eat sea lion. You don't well, eat otter. I watched Whale Wars on Animal Planet. They eat those? In, the, cultures, uh, in these islands, the Faroe Islands. I think it's in Norway or somewhere. They've been doing it for a thousand years. They, they herd whale into the shore, then they kill them. And they eat the whale, they eat the blubber. It's a big industry for them. I thought they were surrounded by like a foot of fat to keep them warm. Well, you can't eat that all fat. I don't know how much of the fat they eat, but they eat it. They eat blubber, they eat, they eat whale meat. I mean, I believe you. There wouldn't be a show about it. There's 101 uses for whale blubber. Okay, give us some. <laughs> you can like heat your oil lamps with it. You can uh, use it for insulation. Well, hold on. It can't be cheaper than the oil that we use in the lamps. I mean, there's only like seven whales left. Yeah. I understand that you can do it. You want to go to Target or do you want to go kill a whale? <laughs> the Robin Joe Show. Check them out at robinjoeshow.com. They're also on iTunes. They also have an Android app. So if you've got an Android, get that app. Sal Kalani is a comedian from San Francisco, as is his co-host Angelo in the Sal and Angelo podcast. Um, although I think Sal grabbed this interview with comedian Kellen Erskine by himself. There's no sign of Angelo. Uh, I think they were down at the Improv in San Jose. But uh, here they're talking about the fascinating process uh, that Kellen went through of auditioning for TV's America's Got Talent. All right, so let's talk about America's Got Talent. So. You uh, auditioned for this, I'm assuming, I think it would have been in February, because I know another guy who auditioned yeah. at that time. Mm -hmm. And were you just, like, signed up and showed up? No, they actually emailed me. Really? Yeah. How did they find you? I don't know. I still don't know, because I'm really superstitious about it. Really? Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't be. That makes no sense. But I, I should email them back to thank them. You, you know? never asked them? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Because at the time, at the time, I didn't want to be because I did. I was like, this could be a prank. So I looked up the person. Oh, really? Legitimate. Okay. You know, they're like, she just said, "I'm a casting associate for America's Got Talent. Could you send me a clip?" I was like, "Uh, sure." So I just sent the clip that I had, and she was like, "That was great. Do you want to come by for a scheduled audition?" Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so then I thought that was fake. <laughs> <laughs> so you auditioned in the oh, city sure. in San Francisco, yeah, 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 yeah. and there were, there were the big guys weren't there yet, right? Were no, you? no, yeah. This is like four thousand people lined up in front of the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium, and you got to skip all that. Yeah, I got to go right through. That's is, awesome. It was great because I tried out for Last Comic Standing three times, and I was in that line. Uh huh. And and I found out after the last time. So naive. I found out after the last time. That um, they they just used that that line for B roll. At least they did the the last year that I did it. Right. Or they saw B roll. Yeah. Because yeah, they're using that line for the B roll for outside for like look at all the people they right. tried out. You know. Like, right. Like uh, like Josh Blue stood out for two days. Right. You know, like right. He camped out in front of us. Right. Right. Um, but it was for I mean it was for that and for all of the the weirdo montages. 
because right. you know I was out I was out there for two days like it's embarrassing two days day, two days in front you of the Hollywood out? Improv yeah wow uh, like it's really sad I might like. My wife and my daughter were staying in a hotel. And How like long ago was this? Food. This was two years ago. This wow. was really recent. Yeah. Wow. And so I was out there for so long, and it like really started to sink in. Like everybody else around me was like, you know, delusional. Like I right. can't say I'm not completely no, delusional, but, you, but yeah. like there's uh, for an example, legitimate example. The guy next to me in line, I'm seven. He's number six. He was wearing a, a speedo. And then he put a speedo over his face, and he would do this in line, like at night, to like try and make people laugh. And he's like, "I just want to be on TV." Wow! And I was like, "I've been writing jokes for seven years. Wow! And I want to build a career." Wow! And so, like, anyway, so the day finally comes, and um, I'm in the first group, which is great. Um, but then all these other people are in there when I get in there. All these people in costumes. There's a guy on stilts. There's a guy dressed up as Satan with a guitar. Wow. And I was like, how did this happen? And somebody's telling me that they they even, they sent out an email blast. It was like, if you have a costume or an instrument, you come in the first group. That's the Sal and Angelo podcast. Uh, guest Kellen Erskine there. You'll find Sal and Angelo at salkalani.com. Dot com. That's S-A-L-C-A-L-A-N-N-I dot com. They're also on iTunes. Friends, summer is just around the corner, so you might be thinking to yourself, gosh, it's time to get out the suntan lotion, rubber thongs, and good old Bermuda shorts. Stop right there, Pilgrim. Did you know that every time you slip on a pair of their shorts, the British Protectorate of Bermuda receives a two-cent royalty? That's right, which is why Henderson's Pants, a loyal and legal corporate entity of these United States since 1896, is introducing their Wake Island abbreviated trousers. Roomy and comfortable like the Bermuda shorts you've come to love, but with the freedom that comes from knowing you won't be helping out the subjects of our former British oppressors. The stylish Wake Island abbreviated trousers are named for the unincorporated tiny landmass in the North Pacific, which is a legal U.S. protectorate. Now, when those hot, sticky days of summer hit, slip on a pair of Henderson's Wake Island abbreviated trousers and go for a stroll on the beach, around the pool, or through the mall. Feel free to wear briefs, boxers, or nothing at all under your new snazzy and 100% American abbreviated trousers. Because, as a U.S. citizen, you have the right to stow your junk any way you choose. Originally designed for the U.S. Department of Immigration, Trout Farmers, and Dark Seedy Theaters, that's Henderson's Wake Island abbreviated trousers. Available wherever things you put your legs into are sold. And now back to more of Suckatash. Next up is our interview uh, with David Lee, who is a native of Hawaii, where he got into stand-up from a fairly unusual route. Rather than being the frustrated class clown, David was dealing ecstasy and had made a hobby out of being unemployable. Uh, He talks about that and uh, a bunch more. He's been at comedy for about 10 years and is just starting really to make the moves with hopes of becoming a more known performer uh, here he is via Skype uh, from our conversation just a few days ago. I am talking to David Lee, comedian and uh, former, I guess, expatriate of Hawaii, really. I mean, you're living in Colorado. Yeah, I live in Colorado Springs now, but uh, I'm, in, I'm, in actually, I'm actually in Hawaii right now. Oh, you're so. in Hawaii as we speak. Yeah. Okay. okay, that's cool. The next three, next two months. Oh, okay. Here. Uh, where yeah. are you in Hawaii? 
Um, Eva Beach with my parents. Oh, okay. My Our, parents' house. Yeah. On Oahu? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, um, but then we're moving to, I'm moving to Vegas in, in November. Okay. So yeah. what's, uh, what's predicating the, uh, the, the moves? Why, why, uh, why now? The army. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Not me, not for me and my wife. She's in the army. Okay. And where's yeah. she stationed right now? Right now she's stationed in Colorado Springs. And, uh, so far it's so good. I, I mean, I get to do a lot of comedy there. I like it. Oh, that's good. Uh, but you started performing in Hawaii. How, how long ago? I started performing, uh, back in 2005, December 8th, 2005. That was the exact date I remember. Every comic remembers their first night on stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bombed. You bombed. Okay, that's that's sometimes typical. It's it's interesting because sometimes comics have a really great set their first night and then spend three years trying to figure out why their first set was so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I guess. Well, I was. I guess I was blessed because I had. I was. Um, I bombed my first time, and the second time, it was a contest, and then I won that. Okay. Uh, so what? Uh, yeah. How old were you when you first got on stage? Twenty-two. And what led you to make that uh, step to finally get up there and try it? Uh, it's weird. I don't know. Uh, is this is this a comedic podcast? I don't know what this is because uh, yes. the story behind comedy is not really a comedic one. I used to be a drug dealer. Um, oh, okay. Then, well, so what, <laughs> what? What was the transition point? Uh, becoming a heavy addict, you know, I'm, I'm really addicted to ecstasy. You know, I don't know if you ever tried ecstasy. I have. But, uh, it sucks when you're coming down and, okay. and it's very addictive. Like, um, after a while I, I started running out of money. Uh, um, people started stealing from me and I got fired from two jobs and the two jobs that fired me, both people from the jobs told me one day, maybe I'll be a comedian. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> so you were you were a funny drug addict. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> were you working at the time you started doing stand up, or were you just had nothing going on? No, I was working. I was I was in sales, uh, selling lotions. Okay, like sun 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 tan lotion, and then I was then I started then I got fired. Uh, told me I should be a comedian. So I became a cell phone salesperson. And then I got fired from that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be a comedian. So. Okay. Uh, what had sparked your interest in comedy other than people telling you you should try it? I don't know. I always thought I was kind of a, I always thought I was kind of um, more on the humor side. But I, I had a lot of jobs. One of the jobs uh, was a photographer. I was a photographer before I became a dealer, mm-hmm. and uh, I had to make people smile a lot. <laughs> and what I I noticed is that they weren't smiling; they were laughing, and that what that got really distracting for them to take for the picture. But okay. they came out. They came out nice. <laughs> Yeah. Now, had you had any interest in comedy when you were younger in terms of listening? Were there comics that were, you were a fan of or things you went, wow, I, I wish I could kind of express myself like that? 
Uh, no, I actually, I didn't even understand stand-up comedy when I was a kid. Hmm. In fact, I thought every, I used to watch comedy, but I didn't know it was comedy. And one time I was watching George Carlin and I thought he was pretty interesting. You know, like, wow, people are laughing at him. He, he must be a really smart guy. And came to class, somebody asked me, all right, what do you call a male peacock, uh, or a female peacock? I'm like, oh, that's easy. It's a peacock hunt. Because George Carlin had told me that on television. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I got suspended. <laughs> and I don't know. I didn't know why. <laughs> well, that's like, funny. That's funny. Uh, so what helped to shape your stand-up uh, when you started doing it? I don't know. Well, I fell into the trap of of doing the the common jokes, like ethnicities, ethnic ethnic jokes. Filipino jokes, mm-hmm. and eventually I grew out of it. And I, I noticed that everyone, everyone, that, every comic that's Filipino talked about being Filipino. I was like, all right, I think I'm done doing that. <laughs> so I'll just talk about my life and leave about the Filipino ness of it. And how's well, that not, been working? It's been good. I mean, I, I talk about my marriage, my uh, being a military husband, uh, and I have a lot of jokes from that and. And because of that, I think I want to start writing a sitcom called. You, you ever you ever heard of the show called Army Wives? Oh sure. Yeah, I thought of a premise called Army Husband. Okay. <laughs> and that instead of a drama it would be a sitcom. So. Sounds like there'd be a, a place for it. Yeah. <laughs> so start, starting out doing comedy in Hawaii, I mean, having booked comedy in the, on the mainland for a long time out of San Francisco, and I ran a club in Seattle for a long time, I, I know there's always been some kind of comedy in the islands. Uh, there's been a club every now and then, or hotels will book comedians. Uh, I'm good friends with Andy Bumatai, and uh, so I, I know there's a scene there, but it's not exactly what you'd call a vibrant comedy scene so how are you able to kind of keep getting gigs uh back in the back in 2006 there was just one room it was sharky's comedy club and it was every wednesday and saturday i only got to perform on wednesday nights um then they opened up another room but that didn't very, last very long. What was the question? I have ADD. This... No, that's okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I start talking and I forget what I'm talking about. That's um, okay. The, the question is really what, how do you kind of get your comedy going when there isn't like a really vibrant comedy scene? I mean, in Los Angeles, there's, you know, a half a dozen clubs you can go up. Yeah, that's true. But when you've just got sharkies working one night a week, how else do you hone your skills? Uh, I was fortunate, I think, because, um, before I was a comic, I, another one of my hobbies I'm pulling out from my hat of hobbies, um, I was in the boy band. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was in a boy band and the producer of, or our promoter when I was in boy band, uh, I guess he, he got into comedy and I, I told him, Hey, I want to get into comedy. How can I learn? And he's already doing road shows. He, you know, he performs at graduation parties and weddings and so I got to work with him at those events. So I had like maybe like three or four gigs a week um, coming up. He always put me during during dinner, which really sucked. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess everyone's, it was a stepping stone. Yeah, everyone's always eating and not paying any attention. This is the problem. Exactly. Yeah. 
but I guess that that kind of shaped me, helped me get better. Sure, absolutely. Now you know uh, you know Andy, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Now I think you told me you'd open for him before. Uh, I worked with him on his nighttime sh- on his talk show, nighttime okay. with Andy Bumatai. Yeah, yeah. I was I was the uh, I was the floor manager. Okay, manager. cool. Yeah. How was uh, that experience? It was fun. I got. Um, I mean, my job mainly was to get people to clap and stop clapping, laugh, <laughs> stop laughing. <laughs> that was it. Okay. So well, and I got cool. to meet a, a lot of cool, interesting people. From that show, it was, it was, it was nice. Now, it was had nice. you uh, were you familiar with Andy and his comedy from living over there? Yes, I had I had heard of Andy Blumenthal, the comedian. I never, and then I, I don't know. It was, it was weird. He was always some kind of a legend to me until I finally started working for him, and I was like, "Wow, really? Is this <laughs> the guy I heard of? This is cool." <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty nice dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah. he's doing a show now uh, called In the Car. In the Car, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like a web show, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's out it's 16. It's a local channel here in Hawaii, and, oh, okay. and I watch it every time he posts it on Facebook. So yeah, I'm a fan of the show. Cool. Um, so what, uh, what really kind of was responsible for taking you from Hawaii to Colorado Springs, of all places? Well, I really had no choice because my wife got stationed there. Okay. And, uh, but it, w- it was a good move for me because, um, being here in Hawaii, I was performing regular, regularly at, at Sharky's Comedy Club and, uh, we would get, we would get, um, a new crowd every single week. So there was no real, there was no reason why we should add anything to our act. So we, I kind of fell into that trap where I, I just laid, remained stagnant in my act, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Stop writing. But then I moved to Colorado, and man, you're, you have to write. Yeah. Uh, those yeah. clubs get uh, a regular clientele, the same people exactly. see you week in and week out. Yeah, I, I, I was not familiar with that. I was like, really? Oh, man. Right. <laughs> but it helped me grow. I mean, it was, it, was, it was because of the move I was able to do the road. Well, that's good. So you've worked uh, how much on the road, do you think, since you moved? Um, I haven't really been on the road that much. I I just traveled to, I've been to San Antonio, Topeka, Kansas, uh, somewhere in North Dakota, Minnesota, <laughs> Nebraska. Unspecified, can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, the Northwest tour was uh was was with Chris Fonseca. You know Chris? I do. Yeah, Crazy Legs. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, was, that was insane. That was fun. I, I had fun on that tour. That's cool. Now, there's a is there one club or more in Colorado Springs? In Colorado Springs, there's only one 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 stand up comedy club. Is it a Comedy Works or something else? I can't remember the name. Looney's Looney's Comedy oh, Looney's, Club. Okay. Yeah. And then, do you work Denver as well? I do Denver. I, I perform at the Improv okay. in Denver, and sometimes at Comedy Works. Uh huh. Yeah. So you're in Hawaii for a couple of months, and then when you move to Vegas, your opportunity to do stand-up certainly is going to increase. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for that. Oh, man. Uh, 
So what huh? will you do to kind of keep your shops up while you're in Hawaii? Uh, well, I perform Wednesday nights at, at a club here. Uh, it's called Indigo. It's it's more of a restaurant, but they do comedy at night on Wednesdays. Okay. Uh, it's hard to get back into Sharky's. But, but it's still an operation? But it's still there, yeah. Okay. Seems like coming home, they'd let you start doing Saturday nights. <laughs> you would think so, but they don't. Um, well, the the reason behind that is I think what they told me is they, they want to keep their comics sharp. Okay. I used to be part of that group, but I guess since I moved, I'm no longer sharp. part of the group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sharp. Uh, even though you've been honing your material and doing a lot more different stuff. Yeah, totally. It's it's weird. I don't know. I guess things change. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't hold it against them. Now, are you still in contact with the local guys there, comedy-wise? Yeah, I am. I am. We hang out. We still... I don't know if you know of a guy named Sean Felipe. I know the name, sure. Uh, yeah, he's, he's performed all over. He was... He, were you at the... Um, at the comedy festival in or comedy contest in San Francisco, when uh, Ken I, won, I actually used to run it, uh, but that was back in the '80s, so I haven't really been connected to it since then. Mm-hmm. Sean Kent won the last one. That's right. Yeah. Um, and my friend Sean Felipe was like seventh place. Okay, well that's pretty good. There's usually like forty competitors, so that's pretty decent. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and uh, and he's here now for the summer too, so we're just hanging out doing shows. Oh, that's good. Well, good. Maybe you can kind of book your own thing and not have to worry about sharkies. Yeah, yeah. Find been... some rooms to get into. Oh, totally. It's. It, I mean, you you got to if you want to perform. Yeah. So. Uh, so it's kind of funny. I you know I I called you because I met your dad when I was in Hawaii. <laughs> And we were talking, and he said, yeah, well, my son's a comedian. And uh, I said, oh, okay. So he gave me your name, and, you know, I tracked you down, I think, via Twitter, first of all. But I've gotten into sort of interviewing new guys because um, there's a little bit of a connection to the podcast scene, and that you're a young comic trying to make a go of it. A lot of, like, these podcasts have only been around for a few episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, how much effort are you putting in to kind of getting your name out there and self-promotion? I don't, I, I, I do, I do graphic design on the side. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I guess this is how I got a lot of stage time in the past, uh, was I would, I would let the comic or the person running the show know that I do graphics and I can create a poster. So I've been creating posters for comics and comedy producers since I started. Okay. That gets your name on fast because a lot of comics don't know how to do graphics. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. It works for me. I, I got to perform I get to perform all over Denver because people ask me, Hey, can you do a poster? I'll get you on stage. I'm like, All right, cool. Hey, well that's good. Well, whatever whatever way you can get in. <laughs> yeah. That that's my end. <laughs> yeah, well that's so. good. Uh now do you do graphics for other comics? You know, help yes. them put their stuff together and things like that? Mm-hmm. I do it upon request. Like if I if they need a website, I'll do that. Um, I prefer just to do print. Yeah, because that's a lot easier. But you'll do it because it helps get you in. Yeah. 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 Um, 
have you been turned since since you didn't really have any comic idols as a kid? I mean, you must know a lot of comedians. Go, oh yeah, I listened to Carlin or I listened to Pryor or you know later on maybe I was a Seinfeld fan or whatever. So not having that at background, have you developed an appreciation for those kind of earlier voices in comedy? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Red Fox. Uh huh. Started listening to his stuff. I was like, wow, this. This is cool. This is like, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. Kind of alternative before there was alternative. <laughs> yeah. And, and going, I, I don't know. I, I wanted to talk about this and going back to how, how I got in, how, um, I'm making, how I'm doing comedy and how, and stuff like that. Um, I was fortunate to meet Felipe Esparza. I met him in LA once. Uh, we were doing an open mic. And uh, we were passing around a bowl. Can I say that? Sure. We were, we were passing around a bowl and, uh, you know, just shooting the shit. And um, later he calls me. He tells me, hey, I'm going to be in Colorado Springs for a last comic standing tour. Can you hook it up? And I hooked him up. Okay. So, I, yeah, I totally, totally hooked him up. And then a few months later he calls me. He's like, hey, man, uh, I'm going to be in Denver Improv. You want to feature? And I was like, hell yeah, I would love to feature. And then I thanked him. I was like, hey, Felipe, thank you for getting me this gig. No problem, man. How'd you know I was a feature? I didn't. I just knew you had weed. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wow, that's awesome. (laughs) So if anyone says drugs won't get you anything. Oh, well, it's good to hear from the other side for a change. <laughs> it's always a warning. Stay away. <laughs> oh, it brings people closer. I think. That's funny. So uh, earlier you mentioned this idea of, uh, you know, a TV show idea based on your experience being sort of a military husband. Uh, is writing something that's uh, really of interest to you? Uh, yeah. Something you want to branch out into? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be performing for the rest of my life. I'd like to write, produce. That's one of the things I really want to do. Like, I produce shows here. I, I produce the sketch show at my church. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're, they've always been fulfilling to me. Stand-up is great, but I, I want to expand a little bit more. So, do so, you have sketch experience? Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly improv, like long form and, in, long form and short form. Where'd you pick those I, up? Why? Uh, no, no, where? Uh, where? Where'd you learn? Oh, where? I, I learned it from... She's a, there was a school called the Laugh Track here in Hawaii, and uh, they they taught long-form improv. Okay. And that's when I learned that... That's how I learned that um, Seinfeld was based on long-form. Um, a lot of the sketches you see on SNL are based on long-form, right? Uh-huh. It's great training, and uh, it helped me get into sketch writing, too. I w- was with a sketch group in Los Angeles for a number of years. So uh, that's great that you've got that. And, again, I think once you get to Vegas, you're going to find more of that to engage in, mm-hmm. uh, certainly than you did in Colorado Springs and has to be more than in Hawaii, I'm guessing. I- I'm just kind of bummed that Second City is no longer in Vegas. That's I true. Don't... Yeah, they left, huh? Yeah. 
Um, but one good thing about Vegas is you're a lot closer to Los Angeles. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so if there's opportunities, you'll have a chance to capitalize on them a little bit more, which would be great. Mm-hmm. So any advice for people that are maybe just starting out in stand up, sort of maybe things to either avoid or take advantage of based on your experience? Uh, I would say, um, get as much stage time as possible. Don't expect a paycheck, um, anytime soon. And start off clean. Uh, that's what I was taught to start off clean. And then once you're a headline, you can say whatever the hell you want. Right. That's good so, advice. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I see a lot of the, the new comics here in Hawaii. Ever since when I left, there was there was hardly any. But then two years later, I see that there's like this huge group of comics here in Hawaii, and they're all just being dirty. And hmm. just swearing, and and I'm like, all right, that's cool. Where are the, where, where are the punchlines? Yeah, there's some punchlines in there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So, David, thanks right, so much for talking to me. All right. See you later, Mark. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you, David Lee, for that interview. And uh, we talked at the end of the interview. Uh, I may be in Hawaii in a couple of months, and he should still be there. I think we're we're crossing paths just a couple of days before he leaves, so uh, going to try and catch up with him in person, and uh, maybe I'll get a, an in-person interview when I see him next. We have a, a song. I've been trying to get more music into the show, at least one comedy song uh, per episode, and this one is <laughs> it's a very funny music video. I don't know how well it's going to hold up in audio, but it seemed pretty funny when I listened to it, but then I'd seen the video. Uh, this is comedian, uh, British comedian, Isabel Fay, and uh, music by Clever Pie. And, you know, people complain that the Internet has become a place where other people get away with posting just outrageous things. You know, they, they badmouth people, and uh, mostly probably because they're anonymous, and there's really no retribution. Well, Isabel uh, decided to go after some of her faceless detractors in song. So I don't know if you've seen her video. It's called Thank You, Hater. But more than 600,000 people have seen it since it posted uh, earlier this month on June 8th. Now, you don't get the full impact in audio form because there's a string of cameos by other English comedians and performers getting their shots in at their trolls, and you may not recognize them from their voices alone. Uh, But I wonder how many of the people that Isabel is talking about in this song, Thank You, Hater, have seen this video. Well, hello, friend. Mr. Insightful Thank you for your comments on my little YouTube clip Most people say you're cruel and spiteful But you're right, how do I sleep at night? I am a massive prick They call you hater Well, they're just jealous Your constructive pearls of wisdom give me thrills I can't deny How will we know if you don't tell us? We could improve our YouTube channels by fucking off and dying. Some might say you're essentially aggressive, racist, homophobic, misogynistic, cowardly, illiterate, waste of human skin. Sexually aggressive, racist, homophobic, misogynistic, cowardly, illiterate, waste of human skin. But I say thank you, beautiful stranger. I love the way you don't upload things 
You know we'd be too dazzled by your cinematic vision. But you're there on every comment string, where you teach us just like Jesus, but while wanking like a gibbon. I'm really sure that if I met you, you probably wouldn't rape me like you promised that you would. We are like that. I really get you. You're right about that laughing kid. He is a total knut. Here are some other people you've given your brilliant insights to. Hiya. You said because I only play black characters, I'm being racist towards black people, so thanks for that. You said, Dawn Porter, you make me ashamed to be a woman. Thanks. You said his mother must be so proud she can have a bottle or two shoved up her for bringing such a twat into the world. Wow. You said I was a steaming pile of shit. Thank you. You said I'm not funny and I never will be. You said, does Helen Ledra remind you of Miss Piggy? Oh, thank you. You said, get a grip, you spaztastic monk. You really are a twat. Have a word with yourself. Thanks. You said, this cunt should be raped in the eyes. I can't wait. You said, you black bastard. The films are shit. And if I ever see you in the street, I'm going to cave your head in. Thanks, man. I look forward to that. Hi, me again. You wished me cancer and misspelled cancer But I know that it's a metaphor You hoped that I would grow just like the tumour You hoped would kill me Inside the tits on which you said you'd also like a goat You said the girl shouldn't do the funny But you fucked me double hard and let the mate go after you Oh what a line, you lovely honey Harmony. I'll join the queue. Some might say your reception the aggressive, racist, misogynistic, cowardly, illiterate, waste of human skin. Sexually aggressive, racist, misogynistic, cowardly, illiterate, waste of human skin. But if it wasn't for you, my darling. That's Thank You, Hater by Clever Pie and Isabel Fay. I will have a, uh, I'll have that embedded on the SuccotashShow.com website for you, but you can go up to iTunes and just look for Thank You, Hater. Uh, another video that I've sort of just translated to an audio piece is uh, by a, a buddy of mine, comedian Chris Bono. Uh, he's making a, I'm going to call this an experimental foray into video podcasting. Uh, he's done the audio thing before, but uh, here's a, this is a very strange video where he, he has one handheld video and he gives another to his guest. In this case, TV's Dean Hagland. And, uh, I think he's got a third person who's shooting it, uh, 
uh, or they've got it on a tripod. I can't really tell, but uh, it's called Electric Bono Land. And he's only two episodes in, but he is a buddy, so I said I'd play a clip from this. Uh, this is truly going to be a very weird three minutes and 20 seconds because uh, it just, I don't know if this does hold up in audio, but what the heck. Uh, so here's Chris Bono and friend of the show, TV's Dean Haglin from the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. Check it out. It's time for the 15-minute minute with this week's guest, Dean Haglin. Where do you want to be in five years? Puerto Rico? Ten years. Puerto Rico South? Excellent. Have you ever owned something that was unruly that you had to kill by hand? Shove my hand up a cow's ass. What's the worst meal you've had? Mmm, tuna bisque. Do you miss President Eisenhower? I do. What about Eisenberg? Do you ever wear a robe? The man in the road is taking a shower. The man in the road feels good in his skin. The man in the road has a girl in the downtown. It's time for the man in the road's day to begin. The man in the road has a comfortable lifestyle. He doesn't have to think about the dentist and war. He has a Twitter or email or Facebook. He's in his world and never opens a door. The road weary man has dinner at seven. The man clothing robe and treats books all the time. Netflix the word has not entered his trance. He'd rather go shoeless and watch runs on his mind. Do you like licorice? Do I? What are you most proud of? My licorice obsession. Do you miss President Eisenhower? <laughs> what makes you indecisive? Existentially, are you sound and grounded, or are you constantly lost in the clouds? Well, my sister is a mental health practitioner, mm -hmm. and so... Uh, you know, here in California, when Rain, Ronald Reagan was the governor, he dismantled the mental health system. That was uh, one of technically the best in North America uh, to save uh, money for one budget fiscal year. Do you ever uh, look at trees? Yeah. Anyway, the point is that <laughs> once he did that, then homelessness jumped up 400%. And, uh, you know. That's it. You win. You win the happy cur curly doll! Yay! <laughs> Dean, is there a conspiracy that you do believe in? Hmm. I don't I try not to hit anyone with everything at once because then they'll just think, oh, this guy thinks everything's a conspiracy. <laughs> and even if everything is a conspiracy. The whole world is a giant mad scientist laboratory where they're trying to harness and dominate and dehumanize humanity because they're threatened by that dynamic human spirit. They hate it. They want to destroy it. New York's famed Times Square. Hey, asshole, get out of the way. You never know exactly what you're going to run into at this fabled spot. Help a blind man. But no matter hey, what you've read, read it yourself man. to expect. I'm blind. Three of the Earth's mightiest heroes certainly I'm... wouldn't be on the list. Hey, the fucking kitty's dead. Take that, Megazilla. I'm going to ride Megazilla. Take that, you're evil. Suicide? No! That is our show. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. The end. I think it was our best show ever. It was the best show ever, for sure. <laughs> That's Electric Bono Land. Chris Bono, uh, guest Dean Haglin. The video is up on YouTube. 
Uh, but I will also have that posted on SuccotashShow.com uh, just so you can check out uh, the magic and mystery of Electric Bonoland. Uh, we have a clip by Mimberts, sorry, Members in A-Hole. Members in the, the A-Hole. Uh, sorry, guys. Members in the A-Hole. Now, I don't know a lot about these guys. Uh, they are podcasting, as uh, proclaimed on their website, proudly out of Tampa, Florida. But uh, they are past 50 eppies now, and they're not afraid to talk about anything. Here's a taste of Members in the A-Hole. I had a little road trip today. Okay. Yeah, going uh, different sites. Yeah, right. corporate sites. So I, uh, I had to listen to talk radio a little okay. bit, right? All right. I went... Incidentally or accidentally, I I don't know the difference between those two words. I'm not a smart man. But anyway, religious radio. Okay. And I was mesmerized for about two and a half hours. You listened. I did. And it made me think, like, if Jesus came back and uh, I was at a bar and he walks in. Right. And it's not the beginning of Jesus walks in a bar. Right, that's yeah. exactly. So he walks in the bar. I'm like, hey, is man. this baby Jesus or is no, no, it's, it's drinking legally, Jesus. Eight, eight pounds, six ounces, baby Jesus. No, no, I like the mullet, Jesus. <laughs> you know, with the sticks, three quarter t shirt, or maybe the mesh half shirt. Arrive alive in eighty five shirt. You remember, remember that half shirt? Fuck yeah! Have, have we ever talked about half shirts? I think we might have, but if we oh have that, God. I go back to being a gay fluffer. So if you buy me one, we, of those, you're automatically. When you were a kid, cleared. you had half shirts, right? Yeah, and, and I only played with a couple wieners. Paging Doctor Faggot. <laughs> it wasn't even legit. And that was before your fluffing days. Yeah, but being a fluff- so, how was Culver Jesus. City, California? It was okay. It was okay. So okay, back to Jesus yeah, at the bar. With like you. I was just wondering, like. He walks in a bar. I'm going to buy him a beer. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Okay. All right. He'll I'm going to be it. like, hey, uh, Jesus, I, what's a cool name for him? He's going to be rocking a different name, isn't he? Is it Jesus? Is oh, it Jesus gonna, Christ? Do you think he's going to go like incognito? That's what you're saying? Yeah. Like, okay. You know, so the, he's coming the, back. The he's Groucho back. Marx mustache. Right. And, and then he, <laughs> he, he comes up to me and goes, hey, a-hole, I've been watching you, but hey, don't look over there. Don't look over there. <laughs> I am who you think I am. Don't right. say my name. Don't say my name. Here's the deal. I've been away a while. What's cool now? Oh. And I'll be like, all right, listen. Harry Pussy is not around anymore. He doesn't know what to do. And he's like, that you know doesn't compute. You know what's funny is my daughter, I'm walking to her to the pool the other day, and she has uh, flip-flops on. You know, and I got my typical flip-flops on. And she starts in on this whole fucking conversation about sandals. And she goes, you know, Dad, there were a lot of sandals back when Jesus was around. Yeah. A lot of sandals. What what made a four-year-old talk, could equate Jesus sandals with... Uh, weird, right? Oh, my God. Who cares? <laughs> I realized going into that clip that probably saying, here's a taste of members in the a-hole really is unappealing. Uh, sorry. A word package that really... Should not have been put together, but uh, you can hear more of them at uh, their home site, membersintheahole.com. And I'm going to spell it for you because none of it's spelled like you'd think. It's M-I-M-B-E-R-Z-A-N-D-T-H-E-A-H-O-L-E.com. Uh, I bet if you put members into Google, it'll get you there. They're also on iTunes. They're on Stitcher Smart Radio. So be sure to check members in the A-hole out. Uh, 
<laughs> another uh, another title which could lend itself to some poor imagery is uh, a new podcast out of uh, Britain called The Rigid Fist, hosted by Cat Sorens. Uh, this is new to the podcast scene, although I think Cat's been around. Uh, but uh, this is, um, uh, well, I guess he's 10 episodes in. It's an offering from Britain. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about it, other than it's getting some early talk up from some of the guys that like us, uh, Royal and Doodle, G&J, you know, the usual suspects. It seems to be that Cat's by himself, uh, but I've only gotten the one clip from him. According to the home site, there's also an Uncle Morty and then various random guests. Um, gosh, uh, I don't know what else to say about it. Just uh, it's uh, He's telling a story here, Cat, uh, and... Um, you know what? I wonder if this is the same guy from Badger's Briefcase. It just might be. Uh, I'll have to check that out. Anyway, uh, here's uh, the rigid fist. Okay, uh, the Magna Fartlet. Um, yes, when I was quite little, um, my little brother um, had a farting game which he loved to play, and it involved, it was a weekly event, so it would run for the whole week, and it was who could fart on their... Um, other person the most, and each one was scored a point. And at the end of the week, I think it was, I think Saturday it finished. Yeah, Saturday night the winner will be the one who'd farted on their um, on the other person the most. He loved this game because um, he'd always get up before me and get a couple in before I was even awake. So yes, it was forever a case of oh, I'll be standing around doing something and I feel someone lean on me and oh. And one summer, we'd gone to our nan's place. Now, I must have only been about grade five or six or something like that. I'm not sure. Anyhow, um, I've eaten the food on the plane on the way over, and it didn't agree with me very much. So, we're at our nan's place, and well, we've been watching Saturday morning cartoons. It's probably some Scooby-Doo or some shit like that, The Roadrunner. And... Um, I was eating breakfast on the couch, watching this, and he's come in, put his cereal down, uh, leaned his bum over while I wasn't watching, and dropped one straight into my ear. Uh, I thought, oh, fucking hell, this is ridiculous. And I'm sitting there, I'm not feeling the best. And he's sitting beside me, and he's eating, I think it was Weet-Bix or something like that, and I could feel um, Mr. Fart coming in my stomach, so I thought, I'm going to get him. This will be great. This thing's going to be enormous. And I proceeded to... Um, I think I was about... I don't know. I was losing the make the fart at that stage. And I thought, well, what I'll do... Maybe I can get some added points if I actually put my pyjama pants down and... Um, give him the fart from hell. So I've done that. Um, and on my... He's sitting on my nan's couch. There's... Um, it's a three-seater couch. It's quite old, antique-looking thing. It's got some nice old rugs and things on it. And I stood up in one motion, dropped trowel and my pyjama pants. And mid-fart, I sort of realised as I was forcing this thing out, which I thought was going to be enormous and was, I wanted to... Well, I thought I'm, I should have thought about this a little bit more because... The Mr. Fart had followed through quite a lot, and what I thought was going to be the fart from hell um, turned out to almost drown my brother. Um, 
this fart went for a couple of seconds and I'd heard this, oh no! And I turned around and my brother is sitting there, um, dry reaching, is gagging over his um, wheat bicks, which is now not all wheat bicks. So he's got some um, shit all over the one arm, um, side of his face, he's in his bowl of wheat bits, it's all over the couch. It's on my nan's, yeah, the antique couch, on my nan's like hand crocheted bedspready things and yeah, there's a lot more brown than there was behind me before um, yeah, so I started that. So that had backfired quite literally and I don't think we played the Making the Fart much more after that. Find more of that at the rigidfist.libsyn.com or just look for it on iTunes. Uh, lastly, we have, uh, our burst of Durst and in our latest episode or installment, I guess our ambassador to the middle comedian, Will Durst gives us a wrap up on the latest G20 meeting in Mexico. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a report from the front lines of the G20 summit recently concluded in Los Cabos, Mexico. And the good news is no knife fights. Also, for the very first time, the proceedings were judged to be more boring than watching Varnish Harden, which is considered a coup for the host country. The G20 meets once a year and is made up of 16 of the countries with the largest economies in the world, excluding Norway, the Netherlands, Spain, and a couple of others, but including the European Union and a couple of others. And they let Spain crash the party every year, even though it's not a member. Think of it like the football cheerleader clique in high school. Although the G20 is not to be confused with the G8, which is made up of eight of the world's top economies, excluding China and Brazil and a couple of others. Which also meets once a year, and was originally known as the G6, and then the G7. Of course, the G20 replaced the G33, which itself had superseded the G22. So, who knows? Maybe the G8 and the G20 will marry and produce a love child to be known as the G28, which will then meet twice a year and be more boring than hospital pudding. This was the seventh meeting of the G20, and the politics involved are breathtaking in a stupendously vapid way. Nothing happened, and for nothing to happen on a global scale is exactly what everybody wants. It was agreed that decisive action will be required someday by someone. An understanding was reached that agreements might be forthcoming, but not until a framework is forged that can accommodate international excuses that will absolve everybody of any blame and or responsibility. And Greece was never mentioned by name. But we all know who they are. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Thank you, Will Durst. You can check him out at willdurst.com. Also, he tweets at Will Durst on Twitter. That is going to do it for uh, Epi 28 of Succotash. I've been your host, Mark Hershon. Uh, please remember, you can hear us on succotashshow.com. We're also on iTunes. We're on uh, Stitcher Smart Radio. We are also replayed at Clutch and Wiggle Entertainment over at CWERadio.com. Also, uh, I've talked a couple times about Podbay, uh, which is a um, 
an app on my iPhone, and it could be on your iPhone too. I have nothing at stake with these people, but Podbay uh, is an app that taps directly into iTunes. So you can hear pretty much anything that's on iTunes. You can get directly via Podbay with no downloading at all. It's a streaming app, so check that out. Um, next uh, up, I'm going to be having a, an in-depth interview with an old buddy of mine, uh, the love master himself, Craig Shoemaker. So uh, listen to that. That'll be Epi 29, and it'll be coming up uh, pretty soon, I promise, uh, within, uh, within a week, okay? Uh, we'll have that <laughs> within a week. Uh, in the meantime, if you wanted to reach me, it's uh, mark at succotashow.com. And uh, I believe our announcer, Bill Haywatt, has the rest of the information for you. Until I see you next, please remember to pass the succotash. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pads. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com or at Suckatash Show on iTunes and even at Suckatash Show on your smartphone Stitcher app. Follow Suckatash on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Friend Suckatash on Facebook. Email us at marc at SuckatashShow.com or just pick up that phone and give Suckatash a ring at 1-818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash.